Recovery Elevator, episode 214. I'm about the flow of energy in the body. If the energy is flowing in the body, then the body is, is healing itself. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Dr. Sue Mortar, and she's going to talk to us about how our bodies and minds have the capacity to heal themselves if we allow it. Registration is now live for the Recovery Elevator Retreat in Bozeman, Montana this upcoming August. Dates are August 14th to Sunday, August 18th. I put this retreat on in 2017 and it was a blast. But this year, guys, we're going to take it to the next level. I'm bringing in an incredible list of speakers, presenters, and you're going to learn so much in these recovery workshops. In addition, we may be checking out some waterfalls in the area, perhaps some paddleboarding campfire shimmers, or shimmers, I'm not even sure if I said that word right. I don't want to give too much away right now, but overall, this event is a celebration of your decision to move forward in life without alcohol. Sure, we're going to learn techniques and strategies how to stay sober, but that's what this is. It's a celebration. It's a victory dance of your decision to move forward without alcohol. Space is limited for this retreat, so go to recoveryelevator.com. You can find more information there and get registered. Okay, let's get started. There are hundreds of definitions for what addiction is. I have covered several of them on this podcast already, and I cover many more in the book that I'm currently writing. Some definitions are scientific, some are psychological, some explain the disease theory. I agree with many of them, some not so much. But here's another definition that in my opinion may be the simplest and most accurate. Addiction is confusing, you've heard me say that several times on the podcast, but this definition simplifies it. Here goes. Addiction, addictions, are nothing more than signposts in life. Addictions are nudges from the body, your internal and external environments, that signify that a change needs to occur. They are simply hints of what isn't working in life. At first, including myself, many of us, we ignored these signals. And that's okay. It took me a while to recognize what was happening, what my addiction was trying to tell me all along. At first, when we do become cognizant something needs to change, we start by making external changes. Perhaps see what Western medicine has to say. I know this is the route I went, and many of you have done the same. But eventually, this signpost is so prominent, as in it is completely blocking the path that we have no choice but to address it. Many of us go along blindly meandering forward in life until our heads smack right into the signpost. For others, they do everything in their power to walk around these signposts, to not see them, even if it entails scaling endless mountains. Many people struggling with addiction ignore these internal and external cues their entire lives, and this gets ugly. There are signposts everywhere in life. Addictions are just one form of them. The best way to receive these nudges are through the body, the gut, the intuition, and not through the mind. The reason for this is the mind is too quick to label, judge, and identify something as good, bad, happy, sad, or this is for my benefit, or this is not for my benefit. It is becoming clear in my life that everything that has happened in my past has happened for my benefit. Really nothing has happened to me. Everything has just happened. And guys, I'm building trust knowing that what happens next in my life is there to my benefit. I found that trusting in this process makes life a lot easier. My advice, get out of the way and let life happen. This is not a statement about religion, spirituality, higher power, or esoteric ideologies. It's just how the universe works. All events in life are happening to your benefit, without exceptions. I know at the time it can be difficult to see it, but trust me, it's all working in your favor. I've been leaning into this universal law more and more lately. As a result, life has become easier. In fact, this is how I met Dr. Sue Mortar, who was the guest on today's podcast. In January of 2019, I attended a retreat in Costa Rica. Some crazy synergies happened. A gentleman approached me and said, hey, I've got this gut feeling that you need to attend a retreat in Colorado. You and your mom. Now, this gentleman had no idea of the health conditions that my mom is currently facing. And since this was basically an initial greeting with this gentleman, um, I didn't know how to take the information. And the gentleman says, look, I know you and your mom live in Montana, but my gut 
My intuition says, you two both need to go to this retreat. It's in Vail, Colorado. And again, I know you have to travel because you both live in Montana. And I said, wait a second, it's in Vail, Colorado? My mom lives in Vail, Colorado. Now the mind immediately created reasons of why I couldn't attend this retreat. For one, my friends and I, we had rented a cabin in the mountains near Big Sky, Montana. We had snowmobiles rented. It was going to be a fun weekend. <laughs> um, but I listened to the universe. I listened to the signs that were being put in front of my life, and, and I decided to go. Um, I went to sign up for the retreat. It wasn't cheap either. Damn it. <laughs> but, but it's what needed to happen. And I initially thought that I was going for my mom in support of her health issues that she's dealing with right now, but, but that wasn't the case. I also needed to attend this retreat. The information I learned was was incredible. And I have a feeling if, if you're in Cafe RE, I'll, I'll be putting together an event where we can attend one of her events or, or retreats or conferences in the future as a group. The content that Dr. Sue Mortar writes about in her book, The Energy Codes, which was released about a week ago, and you can find a link to this book in the show notes. Thank you, Carrie, for doing the show notes. Guys, this, this content is profound. This is such an incredible time to get sober. She explains through quantum science how we can use our own energies to heal ourselves if we let it happen. Be prepared to have your mind blown. And sorry to do this, but before we hear from Dr. Sue, let's hear from Cafe RE. The most important thing I've learned while doing the Recovery Elevator podcast is we can't do this alone. Believe me, I tried for over two years and it didn't work. So here's the good news. With Cafe RE, you get access to a confidential and unsearchable Facebook group, which is capped at 300 members to ensure intimacy. Then you get access to the Cafe RE forum outside of Facebook, which means you don't need a Facebook account to be part of Cafe RE. Both are private and only members can see who is in the groups and what is said. In the forum and Facebook group, you get instant accountability and genuine connection with others who also wish to lead a life without alcohol. In Cafe RE, you'll find that being sober is a tremendous opportunity and not a sacrifice. For just $19 a month, you too can join the conversation. You can be paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, online meetups, attend in-person meetups and retreats, participate in book club, movie club, and more. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive this setup fee. I hope to see you there. Dr. Sue is an international speaker, master of bioenergetic medicine, and a quantum field visionary. She explains how quantum science and spirituality are speaking the same language. Dr. Sue redirects the flow of energy patterns in the body to activate full human potential. Through her presentations, seminars, retreats, which I attended one this past February in Colorado, it was incredible, and her book, The Energy Codes, Dr. Sue illuminates the relationship of quantum science and energy medicine as well as the elevation of human consciousness and life mastery. In the book, The Energy Codes, and at her retreats and conferences, she teaches individuals how to clear subconscious memory blockages. We've heard a lot on this podcast about the power of the unconscious mind. So this is really cool stuff. It shows us how to clear those blockages to the unconscious mind. So enough out of me. Dr. Sue, how are you? Fabulous. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. I so look forward to where we get to go today. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Sue, thank you so much for joining us. I attended your retreat in Evergreen, Colorado in early February, and wow, it was incredible. And it became evident within the first half day, I was like, I need to get this woman on my podcast. The retreat wasn't specifically about addiction. However, it's all related, and I, and I cannot wait to dive into what you were teaching at the retreat and, and, and share with listeners how this is applicable with addiction. My pleasure. It, it's, it's applicable everywhere, and addiction is certainly served by uh, the things that we're speaking about, learning how to move energy through our systems in a way that is healing, that allows us to experience our wholeness, and it just simply changes everything about uh, who we perceive ourselves to be. We are going to get all into energies. We are going to get into how you are blending quantum physics and spirituality, how they are speaking the same language. But first, let's get your thoughts on addiction. What is addiction? What causes it? And can it be overcome, Dr. Sue? So, certainly. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm about the flow of energy in the body. If the energy is flowing in the body, then the body is, is healing itself. We are healing on every level in our lives, actually. And so, 
what happens with addiction is that there is a there are sets of circuits that are supposed to be connecting our enteric system, meaning our digestive and hormonal and chemical balance system, uh, with our heart, with our mind. And we're supposed to be one big communication system that everything is having a check and balance on everything else. And what happens is we have a tendency to kind of land and splat when we get here. We, we, we land in this life and our mind goes one way, our body goes another way, and our breath goes another way. And we're kind of not operating on all of our cylinders because of that. We don't have ourselves together in that kind of way. And, and during that, that phase in our lives, which is early on, uh, different people start to respond differently to this splat, to this feeling of lack of, of uh, connectivity or lack of wholeness or some sense of, of disproportionate perception gets engaged. And so what we want to do is reestablish ourselves, collect ourselves back together, pull mind and body and breath back together. And if we operate in this place of survivorship, which happens in the splat, we have a tendency to create ways of coping, ways of, of uh, processing life in a, in a manner that is pretty much based in survival. And so what, what happens with addiction is that we, we start to use up our resources prior to them actually being replenished. And so in the midst of that, it elicits great pain. It elicits a stimulus that is bigger than what our system can really process. And so we reach for something to kind of deaden the pain, to kind of uh, numb it out, if you will, to to pass by the painful experience. And bear in mind that the pain only exists because we have a lack of circuitry in place, that if the circuits were in place for us to perceive our wholeness, everything would, would, would appear differently. Everything would feel different. We would process information differently. We would tap our deep wisdom. We would know that we are uh, intended to be uh, highly functioning, whole, just as we are. But addiction happens when we we bypass certain aspects of our own personal power and we reach outwardly for some kind of uh, reassurance, whether it's an, an addiction to emotion, an addiction to needing to know the future or to control things, an addiction you know, then later turns into chemical addiction, substance abuse, those kinds of things. But they're all byproducts of really we're trying to find a greater sense of self and the pain of not being able to access that becomes overwhelming and the person ends up in some sort of addictive pattern of imbalance. So we can start with that and I'll see where you want to go from there. And I fully agree the addiction is a byproduct of either traumas or it sounds like what you're saying, it's a circuitry, it's a connection. And before we actually, I actually address the next question about connection, what do you feel about addictions and, and can we overcome them? We can absolutely overcome them. In fact, I feel that they are in place to reveal to us where we're here to evolve. We come into this life for a reason, and the addiction itself shows up in a certain pattern, and it's, a, it's, it's an energetic pattern, and that energetic vibrational frequency is relative to what we came here to grow through, to evolve through. I've worked with many clients and patients that have had some pretty significant addictive patterns and uh, what they put together through processing and, and embodying and embracing those patterns and developing new patterns and new flows of energies and building new circuits is definitely pointing in a direction toward their greatness, ironically. It is, it's, an, it's an avenue to our wholeness uh, not a problem. It's just a very intense solution. Not a problem is what you say. And my view of my own addiction has drastically shifted, specifically in the last year. Looking back at my addiction, Dr. Sue, my mind did a fantastic job of labeling it as bad. It's something unfortunate mm -hmm. that happened to me. But as I go forward in this process, I'm realizing that A, my addiction is the best thing that ever happened to me. But B, the addiction was a signpost, almost almost an invitation of where to go next in life. And many of us miss this. Can you comment on that a little bit? 
Well, we miss the guide sign. We miss the lamppost, the lighthouse, because we're so consumed in guilt and shame and fear uh, because we start to observe our addictive patterns and we start to uh, try to outrun them even faster uh, because we are afraid that something is inherently wrong. That whole sensation is, is generated because the mind is not connected to the rest of who we are. When the mind is untethered, uh, it starts to write stories and it starts to spin out of control and it starts to create a scenario that's almost nearly impossible to live up to, to live through. And so we try to move around it and ignore it or, as I said, outrun it or numb it out, as we're saying, in some fashion or another. So the way to find the guidepost or the lighthouse or the, the sign is to recognize that, that life is reeling out of control for a reason. And my job is to bring myself back into harmony. My job is to begin to generate enough self-love to uh, start to pull these things back together, to start to weave mind and body and breath or spirit back together again. And as we learn how to do that, we have a deeper sense of self, less of a wobble, less of a splat in our lives. And once we begin to perceive just a little bit of a shift in that way, it becomes easier and easier to, to move with momentum toward that, that unifying principle again. So when we do see the, 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 light, the light post, the signpost, everything shifts. When we don't see it, it's because we haven't created enough of a vibrational frequency to get the mind's attention yet. And we hope to interrupt that before it gets too dramatic. Right now, I'm not 100% certain on this, but I think in all 214 episodes of the Recovery Elevator podcast up to date, we've heard the word connection or disconnection. And, and even the first couple minutes of our interview, Dr. Sue, there's been connectivity, connection, disconnection. And, and the further I go in, in my explorations for what addiction is, addiction is an issue of disconnection. Um, the opposite of addiction is connection. And I've heard you say the thought we are a separate self is what causes disconnection and addiction is a connection issue. Talk to us about this disconnection internally from what the wholeness, what we're intended to be is, and also the disconnection with others, with nature, with society. And just talk to us about how this disconnection can lead to addiction. You bet. So when we land and we splat, we come up from the splat attached to the mind. We are attached to the mind. It's important to, to realize that we are not the mind. We have a mind, but we are so infused and intermeshed with it that we think it's who we are. And bear in mind that the mind is based in duality, and the mind's job is to separate things, to see the differences, to make distinctions. And so if we're attached to the mind, we inherently feel different and distinct from other things. When we're attached to the heart or to the soul or to the truth of who we are, our true essential selves, we are connected, vibrationally speaking, to nature and to everyone else and to all that exists. But the mind's job is to create distinctions between you and me or this or that, right or wrong, good or bad. It makes these dualistic distinctions. And when we're attached to it, we start to have quite a bit of uh, value infused into it. And it begins to be something that we protect and something that we defend and something that becomes even enhanced and dramatized for purposes of survival. And so as we start to release that, that attachment to the mind, we start to immediately feel the engagement of unity. We start to feel the connectivity so as I was referencing before, energy flows through the body and is supposed to be flowing in a contiguous fashion without any disconnection, but like a superhighway that runs from the top of the crown of your head all the way down through your body to the tip of the spine. And then it hits the earth, drops through the body and hits the earth and rises back up through the body in which we are able to perceive and receive the energies of nature. And so in this moment, when there is connectivity, we're able to perceive and receive these grounding, flourishing energies of, of rejuvenation and inspiration. And as that happens, we're no longer feeling disconnected, alone or isolated. So when we are attached to the mind alone, what happens is uh, we have a very good chance of feeling like a separate self. So 
when we start to breathe in the belly and start to open in the heart space and do some things that are required for building the circuitry between these areas of gap within our own system, everything begins to shift. We begin to feel a different sense of self. So this superhighway has some construction issues when we land and splat. And what we have to do is, is build the superhighway in a completely connected um, version, in a completely connected state. Then the, the areas of our self-esteem, which are housed in the solar plexus area in our body, which is just in your, in your body, if someone punched you in the gut and it knocked the wind out of you, that place is called the solar plexus. The martial arts use this as a wonderful you know, way to stop the enemy in an instant. And it, it's said to have the power of a thousand suns. And if it's connected, it gives us that power. If it's disconnected, the power is lost. So that, that same area uh, as regarding consciousness and the, and the flow of consciousness through the body represents our personal self-esteem, our version of who we are. And if it's disconnected to our heart and our deep wisdom, then if it's disconnected from those things, then we don't, we don't experience ourselves as wise and loving and brilliant and smart and enough to you know, meet the bill. So, so what happens instead is we divert, we deflect, and the energy moves around this area. And the next thing you know, we're looking for a, an imitation. We're, we're looking for some other sense of self that gets hidden in uh, our activities or uh, our substances or what have you. Now, I've heard you say ways to connect, to create more circuitry, or to get messages to the unconscious mind, to the subconscious. Now, the unconscious mind and the conscious mind is a huge theme in the Recovery Elevator podcast, huge theme in recovery. Talk to us about the trap door. In, in, in the retreat that I attended, you talked a lot about how there's a trap door that shuts that eventually makes it increasingly more difficult to get messages to the unconscious mind, the subconscious part of the brain. Yeah. So this energy that's rising up through the body that either does or does not pass through our own personal identity on its way through to love and to manifesting the life that we would choose to have, it's rising up through the primitive brain and it hits a trap door that's either open or closed. That trap door is closed. If we've experienced too many things in our past that we couldn't really resolve, that we didn't know or have the skills or the tools in place at the time to process. So we kind of stuck them in our back pocket and uh, waited for another time. And then another trauma or drama happens and we don't know how to process that one either. So we stick that one in our pocket as well. And process goes on over time. And eventually the pockets get filled to the point that it short circuits the system and the system's door between the conscious and the subconscious, an area of the brain literally between the thalamus and the hypothalamus disconnects. A trap door slams shut. And now the information that is rising from our deep inner knowing, like our gut feelings, our intuition, our own personal wisdom, it never gets to rise to the level of consciousness that we can perceive it and take action from it. So consequently, we have to depend on our minds alone to make our decisions, to feel like we belong, to prove ourselves or whatever. And if we don't have the circuitry in place to do all that, we just do default into numbing out. Just let me get away. It's just too much. It's overwhelming, short-circuiting to my system. So we have to get the trap door open. And there are lots of ways that we can do that. But the number one thing that we have to do is pull our mind and our body and our breath back together again and let them work together in such a fashion that they pick up enough momentum to burst that trap door open again. It's just like a garden hose. If you, if you want more power to come out of the garden hose, you have, to, you have to close down the aperture just a little and it picks up more force and you can, you can water the flowers further away or you can hose off the screen door and get the, get the mud off of it. The same thing is true here, that when we start to learn how to move the energy through our body, instead of trying to deal with things on the level of the story, there's an energy underneath every story that we experience. Everything that we experience in life has an energy associated with it. And I want people to learn how to move the energy in their body so they can move the energy in their lives more effectively, efficiently, more powerfully, and instantaneously. And when we do that, we start to heal. Dr. Sue. I can. I think I can speak accurately for the listeners of the podcast that quitting drinking is hard. A, there's there's the initial withdrawal component of of we're no longer ingesting the the drug called alcohol. The the, the body physically <laughs> does not like this process, but eventually, after alcohol is out of the system, 
the body tends to create these emotions, these feelings, and, and some of them are extremely uncomfortable. In fact, uh, the medical world is labeled as pause post-acute withdrawal syndrome. I hate that word syndrome post-acute withdrawal symptoms. I like that a little better. And I did a YouTube video about this, calling them just simply healing symptoms. It's basically your body coming back online. So what advice or what, what do you have to say to people who, you know, the first month of sobriety, first six months of sobriety, they feel these uncomfortable emotions that they run away from them. Do they, do they go towards them? What are these emotions and what do you recommend they do when they experience them? Mm, I, you know, I'd like to say that the emotions are part of your victory and you make a decision to stop. And that's a victory, just deciding, just coming to terms with the idea that that's even a possibility. And then we begin to try. And so we, we set it down. And as we do so, we stop numbing out something that was already there. And so the emotions that are starting to rise, they are the emotions that were being suppressed in the first place, which caused us to need to turn to drinking or whatever the substance might be to numb out the fact that we didn't know how to handle the emotion that was rising because we weren't taught to do that. We were raised in a culture that is pretty much denying of our own deep, true, essential self, uh, what we feel intimately. We're, we're forced to, to the outer world to function and to reference our value. And so that's quite painful because we do have emotions. We do have responses to things. And due to the lack of circuitry because of the short circuitings from the splat that I was describing, it's really tough to process those emotions when we don't have the circuits in place. So we stuff them and then we stuff them and it builds up to the fact that it creates a vibrational frequency inside of our system that we have to reach for something to numb out because the vibration is too intense. When we learn to build the circuitry, what happens is we can process those emotions. So the second, the first victory is making a decision to try to stop. The second victory is actually stopping. The third victory is actually the emotions that are starting to rise that were being stuffed in the first place that created the need for the addiction to begin with. So if we can learn how to embrace those emotions, and we can, if we can learn as we learn to embrace those emotions as raw energies that are rising inside of us, instead of trying to process them through the level of story and figure it out and rationalize it and come to terms with it uh, intellectually, we can learn just to work with the energy of the emotion that's rising. For instance, when you have uh, anger, there's a certain area in your body that gets gets tighter, gets charged. If you feel sadness, there's a different area in your body that has a different energy flowing through it, but it has a charge of its own. When you feel abandoned or desolate in some way uh, such as that, there's a different energy that gets generated in your system. So if you could learn to just identify the energies and not even have to name them, not even have to figure out, oh, this is sadness, oh, this is fear, oh, this is anger, but just feel the energy, grab a hold of it, and start to breathe it into the flow that's supposed to be happening through your body instead of letting it continue to be an isolated energy trying to fend for itself, then everything begins to change and you start to feel empowered by the very things that used to knock you over, that used to disperse your energy or splat you. Everything changes when we start to embrace the very thing that is rising that, that was being suppressed in the first place. So it's not that the body generates those emotions when you stop drinking. Those emotions were always there. You just couldn't sense them and perceive them because you were either running from them or you were numbing them out. And so they are your power. Your power is inside of those emotions that currently might feel a little intense or a lot intense. And we can learn how to grab a hold of those energies and get them back into the flow, breathe them into the flow that's trying to happen in our system that keeps us connected. I love how you call it a victory. And the whole decision to move forward in life without alcohol is a celebration. And there's victories on several fronts. Every time we get those healing nudges from the body, you're right. That's a, that's a victory. We're on the right path. In fact, we've never been on the wrong path. We've always been on the right path. Um, and more with these emotions, can you talk about what a meltdown is? I had my biggest meltdown in sobriety. It, it's years three and a half, three and a half years of sobriety. Looking back, it wasn't a meltdown at all. It was almost like a melt up, a melt in. It was like it was what needed to happen. And I've heard you say in your book, the meltdown is, is the unconscious looking for the soul. Now, if we feel a meltdown coming, do we squash it? What, what do we do? And what are they? Yeah, I 100% suggest that we lean into it. There's, the body is trying to get us to 
to implode back into the soul. Think of it like this. The soul is the innermost, inner sanctum of the body. And the soul, the soul speaks to the body, and the body speaks to the mind. And as we are afraid or splatted or dispersed, the mind doesn't listen to the messages that are rising. And so as we proceed through life, that's not going to work because by design, the system is designed to have all aspects of us melded together, working together in a unified fashion. So if we've been not listening to the messages because we didn't know how to interpret them, the number one most effective thing that we can do is to investigate, to inquire. I don't call it a breakdown or a meltdown. I call it a break in, a melt in, a, a melding within, a dropping in to the core of who we are. And it's a melding of the mind and the body back into the deep core presence, the soulful self. And as we begin to uh, witness that and then feel it, if we can allow ourselves to feel the energy that is associated with it, we're halfway there. Just by allowing ourselves to sit in presence with what is rising is a victory beyond what we were able to do before. If they had taught us when we were three or four uh, to do that, we wouldn't have uh, been fed by the splat and the dispersal of our energies the whole, for the whole of our lives. You know, when you stop drinking, you start over. And so three years in, three and a half years in, makes perfect sense to me that you would have a major melding at that time because essentially you're three and a half from that emotional level and you're birthing a new version of yourself and you're learning to allow your stuff to be good stuff, your stuff to be fine stuff, not stuff you have to stuff, <laughs> but rather uh, energies and essences that are growing and developing and you're providing the sacred space where they can do their thing that they were originally intended to be doing but we just weren't we weren't supported in that way because our parents and their parents and their parents didn't have that kind of guidance either it's been a long time since the indigenous cultures lived in their wholeness and we've evolved but i don't know that we haven't digressed in the process dr sue i love how you you call it a melding in and Dr. Sue, the two most profound dates in my journey were September 7th, 2014. That's when I quit drinking. I hope that date never changes. And the second one was when I had this meltdown. It was actually Super Bowl Sunday, 2018. And on listeners, I'm going to go more into depth on this in next episode, episode 215. And like I said, and how you explained it, looking back, that's the best thing that could have happened for me. And I totally agree. When we quit drinking, our emotional state, we were, we might be age zero again. And pretty much I fully agree with, yeah, I could have been three and a half at that moment. Um, now in your book, you talk about how you say, let the body find the mind. And the way I've always thought about this or grown up to believe is, is opposite. So talk to us about that. Um, actually, I, I reference it as allowing the mind to find us, to find the body, to find the core deep inside the body. And so it is, it is that, that we have to seat ourselves deep in the core of our own selves, just drop in and feel what we are feeling and let it be good and let it be true and let it be enough. And the mind will settle upon us if we do that. The mind will settle down inside the heart, inside the belly, inside the gut. And when it does, when we focus our attention in those areas, we have the capacity to transform the splat. We have the capacity to transform our dispersal and our sense of a false version of who we are that is lacking in some way. So it truly is about allowing the mind to find us and we are residing deep in the core of the body. So it is a matter of uh, sitting in the true seat. Instead of us sitting in the seat of the mind, we have to stand up, walk over, and drop down in the core of our being and be seated uh, as the essential soulful self. And when we do that, we realize that we have a body and we have a mind and that we're to use them instead of them controlling us and use them to our great advantage of becoming victorious in everything that we do. Whatever we put our mind on magnifies. And we, if we put our mind on our belly and on our heart and on our solar plexus, what happens is the energies and the levels of consciousness that are associated there begin to become magnified. 
So when we are talking about you being three and a half years old, at three and a half, interestingly, our personality is becoming independent and it's basing its power in love and its true connectivity to the world and and being able to express. And if that got shut down, and it did in our original, you know, biological lineage, what happens is we never have a feeling that our power and love can be present at the same time. And so we are in one or the other. And that's a real conflict for the psyche. So the psyche starts numbing out the pain that gets generated by that. So, so all of it flows together when we get mind and body and breath working together again in such a fashion that, that we feel and perceive unity. We feel the wholeness of who we are instead of just the partialness that we experience when we're identified as the mind. The mind is only a part of who we are. And so if we're identified or stuck onto the mind, we have a feeling that we're only partially whole. And when we ground it to the vibrational frequencies that are more like the alpha frequencies of nature and the body, uh, what happens is the mind starts to slow down and it stops writing such stories and it starts to have a different feeling about the self in general. Dr. Sue, at your retreat this past February, you did an incredible job of explaining how there's this universal intelligence, this universal force that is pushing you in the right direction, that there's a lot of energies at work moving you in the right direction. And me looking back, I labeled my addiction as bad, but it's what needed to happen for me to take that next step of my own personal evolution. Can you talk a little bit about that, how everything that happens, even on a day-to-day basis, is there for our advantage? You bet. There are no exceptions. We are made of the entire cosmos. We are multidimensional beings. There are 11 billion bits of information bombarding your body, your energy field around your body every millisecond. That's a lot. And it's seen as information. It's seen as support. It's seen as guidance if we allow it. And if we develop our ability to sense and perceive and feel and trust it, then we're running on this kind of constant support. So the system, our energetic system is built to do that, but we've never learned how to use it the way it was built. So we operate as a separate self based upon the information that we've learned intellectually instead of perceiving as this gut wisdom, this inherent wisdom that's constantly rising. So here's how it happens. The universe is bombarding your energy field. You're supposed to receive that information, breathe it up. It doesn't, re- it doesn't land in your head. It lands in your gut. It reports to the gut, and then the gut translates that information up through the belly, up through the heart, up through your, up through your throat, through various nerve endings, the vagus nerve, the autonomic nervous system, the enteric system, are all playing a role in this receptivity of this guidance. And so when you trust your gut, you're making a decision based on billions of times more information than your linear, logical, analytical mind could possibly uh, come up with. The logical mind can tolerate about 11 ideas, but can only focus on one to two, like one and a half of them at a time. But billions of bits of information are trying to rise to your consciousness through your own body. But we've never been taught how to do that, how to receive it, how to collaborate in such a fashion. But we can. We can learn it. It's pretty easy. I've worked with tens of thousands of people and teaching them how to do this. And they're changing their lives left and right, including the addictive patterns in their life. So... All of it is ultimately serving you. You are made of the entire cosmos and you are packed into a body and more of it is arriving every second. And it's in 100, in support, 100% in support of your awakening to this truth, to your greatness, to your magnificence. And so everything that happens in your life is guiding you and steering you toward a great shakedown that will make you let go of being attached to the mind and this idea that you're a separate self and accept and receive and perceive this amazing support that is constantly here um, supporting you toward you realizing uh, a different version of life altogether. And Dr. Sue, I just got a couple more questions for you. One obstacle that many of us face before getting sober, and especially before entering 12-step programs, AA in particular, is that we have to believe in a higher power, God, right? And you did an incredible job of explaining how science, quantum physics, is blending with spirituality, with a higher power. Talk more about this. Sure. 
So quantum science is really causing spirituality to wake up. And spirituality used to say, you know, the answer isn't all scientific. It, it's all about God. It's all about unity. It's all about oneness. It's all about the protective process or the guidance of, of the great divine. And, and then science invented you know, a new version of itself that even set itself on, on end, on its own ear, if you will, knocked itself off course because quantum science is teaching us that, that, that things are not as they appear, that actually the entire physical reality is an outpicturing of our own creation, our own, uh, our own consciousness. When we set out to measure something, we find what we're looking for. When we break down the tiniest particles in the physical universe, uh, they behave in accordance to what we set up to test them as. If we test them as a wave of energy, they show up as a wave of energy. If we test them as particles, they show up as particles. So what quantum science at its, at its, uh, at its investigation of the tiniest particles of our physical reality, and the reason they started testing that was to see if, if we could understand the basic foundation of, of what we're made of here, of what this whole life experience is made of, we could probably master it better. And what they found was that, that everything is under the influence of our thoughts. Our thoughts impact our own genetic inheritance, our DNA. Our DNA affects the, the photons and the electrons of our physical world outside of us. So our thoughts ultimately in a chain reaction sort of way are arranging our reality in such a fashion that, that we, are, uh, we are really being invited into a role as a co-creator, as a creator of our life experience. And so, so not believing in God or, or believing in God kind of becomes another issue. It's really about you believing in yourself and allowing the greatness, the wholeness of unity consciousness to be, to be at, your, at your beck and call, truly, and in favor and support of you. So when you believe in a greater power than you, when you believe that there is something huge that is, that is offering guidance and support, it doesn't matter what you call it. What's happening is science and spirituality are kind of meeting on the same page and recognizing that there is a great unifying presence and each of us has the opportunity to allow that to guide us in particular ways and to use our own creativity in that process is being called forth in each of us. That We have to take an active role in choosing and deciding how we're going to allow that unifying principle to serve our personal experience, to serve our ability to have the life that we choose to have, to have the experience of wholeness that we are seeking. So it's a co-creative uh, co process that we're being invited into, being invited into through the uh, advents of, uh, of quantum science. And Dr. Stu, we've spoken a lot about building circuits, about creating new connections inside the body. Is there an exercise that you can walk listeners through to perhaps so they can do this on their own? Sure. So right now, notice if your energy is dispersed by, um, by listening or by looking at something else in the room. So, so when someone comes into a room that, that pushes your buttons, you throw your energy onto them whether you want to or not, whether you know it or not. You disperse your own power and you give it away. And so the, the exercise at first is to call your energy back just to call it back home. So right now, take a look at something in the room where you're sitting and just throw all your energy onto it. Just disempower yourself as if that thing has greater power than you, that it, that it can affect you. Maybe it's a parent or a coach or a teacher or someone that, that you were in contact with long ago. Maybe it's a boss or a coworker or a spouse or an ex or something in your life right now. Um, just throw all your energy onto them and notice how it feels in your body. And then just claim it back for yourself. Just call it home. Just pull it all back in. It's not like you're sealing yourself off from them. You're just gathering your resources right inside your own belly and your heart and deep in your core. And you'll notice that there's a different feeling in your body when you begin to do this. The next thing I would do is invite you to breathe up and down through the central core channel of your body. It's a measurable um, uh, existence. It is how the energy flows through the body. And it's when, when you start paying attention to it, it starts to enhance its presence because anything you put your attention on magnifies. So when you start to call all your energy home, pull it back onto subject instead of throwing it onto an object, you start to feel more power in your core. Then I'm going to invite you to take a breath from your belly 
just inhale into your belly and then exhale as if you're exhaling up through your throat and up through the center of your brain and out the top of your head like a whale would exhale out his blowhole okay now take a breath in from overhead again in through the center of the brain in through the throat into the heart into the belly big belly breath not breathing in your upper chest but lower in your belly and then exhale down through the pelvis down through the tip of your spine and into the earth and then take an inhale from deep in the earth up through your pelvis into the belly and then you're going to exhale right up through that central channel that core channel of the body again that's called a central channel breath and it starts to carve a pathway for energies to move that integrate your solar plexus back with your wisdom center which is below the navel back with your heart and through your manifesting throat center all kinds of energies that reside inside your body and here's a really powerful one there's two more things we have time for that? Absolutely. Okay. Two more things then. So if you can squeeze the muscles at the base of the pelvic bowl, it's kind of like a Kegel exercise, ladies, you would know about that. It's just kind of squeezing the muscles in the base of the, of the pelvis. Gentlemen, if you're not familiar with that, it's the same musculature that you would have to squeeze basically to stop the stream. If you were going to the bathroom and you had to stop it instantly, there's a group of muscles at the base of your spine, at the tip of the spine, deep in the pelvic bowl, that, that ancient Eastern yogis and masters of consciousness utilize to anchor their consciousness in their body again, to keep it from scrolling up and just living in their head. It allows them to stay anchored in their body. When you stay in your body, you're much more empowered. So you squeeze that, squeeze it with everything you've got right now, and then relax it by one half. And now keep it at that point of contraction or just a quickening that's happening there and do that central channel breath again. So you take a breath from above your head, right down through the center of your brain, through the center of your throat, through the center of your chest, into your belly, big inhale, keep that that mula bandha, that root lock is what it's called, mula bandha. You don't have to know that to do it. But squeeze these muscles at the, at the root lock and exhale down through the root into the earth. Then take a breath up through from the earth, up through this rooted area into your belly again. And then you're going to exhale up through the central channel, up through the core and out the top of your head. That anchors your consciousness like crazy. It really puts you in your body in a way that won't allow you. The next time you're you know, questioning yourself, questioning if you can stick to your, your, uh, your commitment, uh, questioning whether or not you can pull it off, you do this mulabanda and central channel breathing, and you're going to feel a very different version of yourself show up. And that different version of you is going to be much more empowered. And then there's one last thing I'd love to share with your audience because when you asked about when these emotions start to rise, what do we do with them? I'm going to share with you what to do with them in a, in a flash here. It is, it is so powerful. When you start to feel whatever the emotion is, rather than go into your head and figure out, try to figure out what am I supposed to do with this? What causes this? Where does it come from? What are its origins? What am I going to do next? Instead of all of that, instead of asking what and why, I want you to ask where. Where in my body is there a charge when I feel this particular emotion? Without even naming the emotion, you just feel some surge in your body. See where you feel that surge. And you go inside your central channel and you squeeze it back and you let it know that contact has been made. That the soul is trying to speak through the body and the body is trying to speak to the mind and the mind finally made contact with it. So you squeeze it back and talk body talk basically by doing so. You let it know that you're onto this, that you're going to work with this energy in a unifying fashion once and for all. And so what happens is you squeeze it back and then you squeeze this root lock and you start breathing up and down the central channel while you're holding this area, whether the charge was in your throat or in your chest or in your gut, you squeeze it back and start breathing up and down this central channel until you start to feel it melt. You start to feel it meld and infuse itself in the river of consciousness that is trying to birth itself again here on this planet in a beautiful way. Nature is going to support you wholeheartedly. I've worked with 
as I said, tens of thousands of people to get this energy flowing again. And what starts to happen is you build circuitry. The reason you have a surge in your body in relation to that emotion is because you don't have the circuits in place to process that energy. And so it defaults out to an overwhelming emotional state and you don't know what to do with it. So you numbed it out in the past. You're not doing that anymore. What you're doing instead is you're going to grab this energy and use it to serve you. It's going to, you're going to build some circuitry to process that energy so that it can rise all the way up to your conscious mind, all the way up through the belly and through the heart and through the chest and the throat and through the primitive brain where you get, where you get defensive and protective and guarded and, and think that you're fighting for your own survival. And it's going to burst right through that into the high brain centers in the center of your brain that allow you to be creative and to be masterful at your life and to take action in the directions that you intend and that you are inspired to take action into. And everything changes because the power of the universe is on your side and now you're letting it win through you without deflecting it or dispersing it or splatting it again. This time you're grabbing a hold of it and using it for what it was originally intended to give rise to your consciousness to the point that you understand yourself as the magnificent being that you truly are. And Dr. Sue, I've got one more question before we chat about your book that was released mid-March called The Energy Codes, and we learn more about upcoming retreats, conferences, etc. Is that okay? You bet. Okay. This is an incredible time to get sober, to make the decision to move forward in life without alcohol. And, and as I mentioned, quantum science is making compelling cases of of some, some laws that work in our favor. And you said this earlier, and I need to bring this up again. One of the laws in quantum science is you get what you seek. You find what you're looking for, that we potentially have the ability to think a life without alcohol, a happy life filled with inner peace and light, and then we'll find that. Can you talk more about that? You bet. So whatever we're placing our come from in, whatever seat we're coming from Quantum science is showing us that the universe has no choice but to manifest it. Whatever we decide is true for us and whatever we allow to help us open the trap door between the conscious and the subconscious will absolutely allow that to manifest. We have stored stuff in our pockets over time that has... Uh, that is a subconscious storage of information, and that subconscious memory is running the show. And that information that is stored there is is misinterpreted information. It's thwarted or distorted, and it's being held in our pockets and keeping us into a lower vibrational frequency. As we learn how to uh, embrace these emotional states that I was just referencing and squeeze them and breathe them through the central channel, what happens is we start to offload this information that was stored in the subconscious that was inaccurate, that was a misinterpretation, a misperception. And when we do this, we start perceiving more accurately. We build the circuitry to perceive accurately the world that we choose to live in. So it's harder to start thinking positively or to start dreaming, especially when we've been shut down in our dreaming state before. We were dreaming our dreams or our visions or had an idea about how great life could be, and all of a sudden it started being smashed and splatted and dispersed by our surroundings. And so we have, we have a basic inherent fear set in place only temporarily, but it basically causes us to believe that it's not safe to dream. It's not safe to think positively. It's not safe to believe that I could have what I really want and that it could work for me too. And all of that is just information that was stored in there inaccurately. It was accurate at the time, but it's no longer accurate for you. The more circuits you put in place, the more you can recognize that actually that information is here to empower me. I just have to rewire it. I have to reshape it into something that serves me. So for every positive thought you can possibly muster, go for it. And for the ones that you want to believe in, but you just have a really hard time, make a statement as though you do believe in them and then take your attention to the body and see where there's a charge. Where Does it cause a lump in your throat, a knot in your stomach, a, a, you know, a, a blast to the gut? What is it? Where is it? And squeeze it and start breathing through the central channel while you're intending that positive thought to be applicable to you too. And what will happen is you will build the circuits in the electromagnetic energy flow that ultimately will teach your nervous system how to sense and feel a better sense of self, a truer sense of you, and rewire its own circuitry to support that. 
And as you do so, you start to create an easier in to this idea that you can create your own reality. Right now, your subconscious is freaking out at the idea that you can have it all. And, and yet, we're made to have it. And so, how do we connect the two? It's a circuitry issue. To connect the disconnect that was there, we have to build the circuits to be able to perceive a deeper sense of self. And that is available to you. So when you start dreaming your dreams and you feel yourself wobbling on that dream and thinking, oh, that's no, no way. I've had way too many experiences in the opposite direction of that to believe that that could be true for me. Your body is going to shake and wobble and it's, gonna, it's going to show the mind that not so much. It doesn't really agree with that. It's not really comfortable with that just yet. So you take your attention into the body and you find where is the charge, where are the short circuitings that are causing the energy to block and to build up with such intensity. You squeeze it back and let it know that you are here this time to have it your way, to claim your power in the universe to create the life that you choose. And you squeeze it and you squeeze this mula banda, this root lock, and you start breathing through the central channel. Squeeze your heart, squeeze your throat, and, and coordinate your awareness. Roll your eyes up and feel the tension behind your eyes. This is how you allocate this whole central channel in the core of your body. You can have this, and it's just a matter of you learning how to master the energy of your life. And listeners, the Mula Banda breathing technique through the central channel, that technique we covered and several others are all in the book called The Energy Code that was released about a week ago. This, this episode comes out on March 25th. So congratulations, Dr. Sue. I'm writing a book right now. I know how much work it is. And I know listeners are, are going to be excited to pick up a copy of your book. And you've also got incredible retreats, some overseas, some in Greece, some across the country. Yeah, tell us more about these retreats and conferences yeah, that you have sure. coming up. Absolutely. I take people to sacred sites all over the world because there's specific energy in these sacred sites that allows us to begin to remember who we are. It begins to flow in energy through us if we know how to utilize it. So I take groups there to learn how to utilize the energy. So we go, we're going to the south of France to the Mary Magdalene tour. We're going to, uh, we go to Egypt and go up the Nile to the Great Pyramids. We go to Machu Picchu and, uh, and learn the energies that are there through the whole sacred valley of Peru and work with their energy medicines there. We do all kinds of uh, retreats to India, North India and South India, all of which are designed to take people into these places where the energies are so profound on the planet that the temples were built there to, uh, to really benefit from exactly that. And then we go in and learn what the technologies and the cultures were that built these places and use that to change our own DNA, to change how we're expressing in the world, to change our belief systems and to melt them so that we're operating without depending on belief systems, but rather really trusting the organic flow that is inherent within each of us and finding our own personal power along the way. So I teach all kinds of coursework across this country as well, teaching people how to build the circuits that are all uh, described in the book. And the whole thing is to create a conscious community that supports each other in awakening to our own true power again and uh, to help each other remember that on a daily basis. Yeah, and listeners, there will be a link in the show notes to where you can pick up a copy of the book. And where can, where can listeners go to a website? You're on YouTube as well to, to find more information about these upcoming retreats, conferences, etc.? Sure, at drsuemorter.com, D-R-S-U-E-M-O-R-T-E-R.com. And uh, it's, uh, it's pretty self-explanatory once you get there. There's a little guide that will route you right through to the things you're looking for. Dr. Sue, thank you so much for joining us today. Incredible stuff. My great pleasure, Paul. You're amazing, and I'm so grateful that you're doing what you're doing in the world. So keep it up, and I'm happy to uh, play anytime. So thank you. Thank you. Guys, I'm looking at Dr. Sue's upcoming retreats and conferences, and most likely I'm going to put together a recovery elevator event at one of these retreats. And so if, if you'd like to get more information of when that will be, be sure to join the Recovery Elevator newsletter. You can go to recoveryelevator.com and, and sign up for the newsletter there. Um, and also information about the Asia Adventure Trip, the Recovery Elevator Retreat in Asia taking place next year, January 2020, January 20th to the 31st. Information about this trip will be up on the website on April 1st. Registration goes live on July 1st. So to summarize today's podcast episode, let it happen. Get out of the way. Ground yourself with the Mula Banda breathing and let this internal healing happen. 
And at her retreat, she mentioned that the internal healing is simply a byproduct of what happens when we ground ourselves, when we tap into this energy frequency that's always been around us. When we pull ourselves together after the splat, which is completely normal, we come onto this planet and most of our teens, 20s, and 30s, for most of us, sometimes even later, is all about figuring out what this is. She mentions the word trauma and drama in her interview. Guys, trauma is a big part of addiction. And your body has internal healing systems. When these uncomfortable emotions from past traumas and dramas show up, let them be. Go into the body. Go into the body and be with these emotions. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast episode, and I highly encourage you to get the book, The Energy Codes. I have my own copy right now, and I'm, I'm a couple chapters into it, my, and, and almost every page is full of highlighting. So um, like I said, these are some incredible times to get sober. Quantum science and spirituality, it's all blending. It's a mending. It's a melding. Uh, you know, a bunch of other words you can think of right there. So <laughs> when I start uh, making words up, it's time for me to go. Recovery Elevator, it all starts from the inside out. This is an inside job, has been, and it always will be. I love you guys. <laughs>